welcome or welcome back podcast horse to our show i got nothing <laughs> sorry <laughs> i was thinking that i was like eh. uh, so this week we are finally wrapping up hitchhiking crimes with my crime which i feel like it's been forever since we've done a case that's all about me because the last two weeks have been kayla's yeah sorry <laughs> I had to drown you all in my anxiety. She had a, a big bad boy, so if you haven't listened to that, then I highly recommend you go back and listen to Kayla's case because it was a doozy, but it was a good one, and she put a lot of effort into researching. So, congrats. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's move on to yours. What do you have? So this week, I am doing the murder of um, Barbara, but everyone calls her Bobby Joe. Oberholzer and Annette K. Schnee, also known as the Rocky Mountain Murders. Okay, this isn't the one that you told me you were gonna do. No, oh yes, I needed to give, I lied to you, so I was gonna (laughs) do an unsolved, I think it's the Santa Rosa Hitchhiking Murders, and then last minute I was like, no, you'll see, they just, just caught this guy. And it makes me so happy that they caught him. And so I was like, I have the to do that. Santa Rosa one or the the Rocky Mountain murder. The Santa oh, okay. the Santa Rosa one is still unsolved. Oh, okay, cool, cool. I don't know anything about either of them, so okay, let's jump on in. January sixth, nineteen eighty two, was the day that both Bobby and Annette went missing, and both women were last seen hitchhiking. They had never met, and they seemingly had, like, zero connection to each other other than having the same day that disappeared. Their cases okay. their cases remained cold for decades and was eventually dubbed the Rocky Mountain murder cases. So here we go. On January 6, 1989, Annette woke up like any normal day. She ate breakfast. She got ready for work, and she went to work. Uh, So she worked at the local Holiday Inn in Frisco, Colorado as a maid, and she also had a second job as a bartender at a local spot called the Flipside Bar. Okay. So everything was going great, but then once she got to work at the hotel, she started to, like, not feel good. She tried to push through it, was just going to, you know, continue her day, go on to work her bartending shift, but the pain actually got so bad that she left and went to the local medical center. Okay. And so this local medical center was actually in Breckenridge where she had to go. And then that's also where she had to pick up her uh, prescription that they prescribed her. Okay. So what what was I don't wrong? know what was wrong with her. N- not that none of the okay. sources okay. said. Just that she like didn't feel good so she went to the doctor's. Okay. So she gets a ride to the pharmacy in Breckenridge by hitchhiking. But they believe that the person she hitchhiked with was someone that she knew because she was caught on like CCTV and witnesses said that they were having an intense conversation with each other, just like talking like friends. And then when Annette was done, she said, hey, don't forget to go pick up cigarettes. And she walked into the pharmacy. Okay. So the person, yeah. So the person who drove her left And so Annette, like, stayed there for a little while, and around 5 p.m., which apparently was, like, an hour after she got there, she was done picking up her prescription and was ready to head home. 
Dude, I believe that. It takes so long to pick up a prescription. Yeah, they're not very uh, efficient. Or organized. Yeah, which is crazy because I'm like, you're handling drugs. Literal drugs. How are you not organized? But whatever. Uh, so she headed to the local spot where hitchhikers would wait for someone to pick them up. And I think that that's like really important to note because again, this is 1982. And hitchhiking was literally so common that there were spots people would wait at. Yeah. there was a, It was a standard mode of transportation. Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, it's safe. It's fine. But, you know, it wasn't. Well, I mean, it should be. Yeah, people just shouldn't be fucking murderers and rapists. But, but we have people like Keith Jesperson. God, don't remind whoever me. whoever the fuck did this. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, unfortunately, this was the last time that Annette was ever seen alive. Alarm bells immediately went off for her co-workers at the Flipside Bar when she didn't show up for her shift. Um, this was extremely unusual because everyone from all the source material described Annette as like a hardworking, reliable person who was never late, let alone missed an entire shift. So this was not like her at all. Um, a missing persons report was filed for her, but the case remained cold for six months. Okay. Then... On July 3rd, 1982, 4th of July weekend. Uh-oh. I know. A father and his son were on a fishing trip when they discovered Annette's body face down in Sacramento Creek. And this is up near Breckenridge, Colorado. Okay. Oh, I literally, my next line says, the creek is just 20 miles north of Breckenridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really in tune with your notes. I know. <laughs> And so, based off of, like, the scene and everything that they could find, even though it was six months later, the cops did believe that her death happened at that location and that she wasn't, like, dumped here. Man, her body's in a creek. Yeah, face down in a near creek. Near where she last was. Mm-hmm. And six months later, you find her. Yeah, so what I'll get into... What kind of search did we do? I'll get into their little theory on this. Okay. Um, so she suffered from a single gunshot wound to the back, and the cold water had helped preserve her body from an op- for an autopsy, I mean. But they were unable to conduct a test to determine if she was sexually assaulted or not. If, she, if the cold water preserved her body for an autopsy, that's part of an autopsy. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's just what all the sources said is that they couldn't determine it, but... They did go on a limb and say that most likely she was sexually assaulted. Based on what? Well, she was fully clothed, but the clothing was like in complete disarray. Like her shirt was like basically hanging off her shoulder. She had one Uh, single... Six months in ice cold water. Yeah, don't know. Didn't do the investigation, so (laughs) it's what it (laughs) is. All right. So she had one orange sock on her left foot. And then had another long sock that was tucked into her sweatshirt pocket. And she was wearing For both what? She was wearing boots on both of her feet, right? Okay. So I think with the socks thing, so when she went missing, it was January in Colorado. So okay. I wear two pairs of socks in Colorado. I wear a normal oh. like cotton pair and then a like a wool long pair. So possibly she would like had both sock pairs on and then when she was running from her killer she grabbed like grabbed him and forgot to put the other orange sock on so remember this she has one orange sock on 
and one orange sock is missing. And so the police determined that the weapon used in her murder was likely a 38 or a 9mm, and they had no other leads to her death, and her case went extremely cold. Those are two different calibers. Yeah, but they're both, like, large handguns. I don't fucking know. I don't know guns. A large handgun. They should be able to determine. Well, let's say 80s again. So I think that all that they can say is, like, it was this class of weapon. Like, today you can pinpoint, but... So now... I'm judging, but okay. Yeah, literally. These are my sources, okay? It's the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to back up to January 6th. Right? So that Where day, were we just at? We were just so at I July know. 3rd. And now okay. we're backing up to the January day Annette 6th. went missing. Okay, cool. So that same day, Bobby, who is the other woman, Bobby Joe, um, was supposed to be having a great day. She'd actually just gotten a huge promotion at work, going from secretary oh. to manager. Oh, yeah. So that's she was nice. about, she's about to be making the money. And she decided that she would go out with her co-workers to celebrate by getting drinks at a local bar. Not the same bar that Annette worked at. Not the same bar. Okay. So her husband, who was named Jeff, asked, he was like, hey, honey, do you want me to come pick you up once you get done? And she said, oh, no, like, don't worry about it. I'll either catch a ride with my friend or I'll just go ahead and I'll hitchhike home. So Jeff was like, okay, sounds good. He started to make dinner, thinking that it wouldn't be that long and that she was just going for a quick celebration. And by, like, all the sources, Bobby wasn't a heavy drinker, and she really, like, rarely ever drank. So he was probably like, oh, it's just going to be, like, one drink, and then she'll come home. That should tell you how normal it was, too. He told her husband she was going to hitchhike after she went to the bar, and he was like, okay, cool. Uh, So at some point, while waiting for Bobby, he actually fell asleep. Oh, no. And he woke up at midnight to discover that Bobby still had not returned home. So this immediately alarmed him, but he was like, hey, you know, let's just calm down. The bars don't close until 2 a.m., so let's just wait until then. You know, maybe they're closing up. Yeah. Um, but when 2 a.m. came around and Bobby still had not come home, Jeff started searching. He didn't call her. I don't, Do they have cell phones in the no, 80s? No, they definitely don't have cell phones in the <laughs> <laughs> And he immediately yeah, starts searching for it. So he goes to the friends that he knew that she was going to be hanging out with. He's like, hey, where the fuck is Bobby? She hasn't been home. And these friends tell him that Bobby actually left the bar at 7.30. Oh, God. And they assumed that just like every other time and just like everybody else, she just hitchhiked home and that everything was fine. Seven hours. Yeah. So obviously Jeff is like, uh, something bad happened. And he immediately went to the police. But lo and behold, the police told him that he would have to wait at least 24 hours to file Uh a missing persons report. Are you sure? (laughs) So Jeff goes back home. Fake news. Seriously, fake news. Yeah, don't believe that shit. So Jeff goes back home. He's stressed out, worried about his wife, and he all he can do is wait. Or sue them. Or go to the media. <laughs> so the next morning, I do not know what time it was, but Jeff gets a call from a local farmer who lived about 30 miles outside of Breckenridge and says, hey, I found Bobby's license on my property. 
okay. Well, that's weird. So I'm unsure, like, maybe, so you know, like, how ours has our phone number on it? Maybe it had his phone number on it. And then again, it's the 80s in Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm sure everyone knew each other. Hey. Your license has your phone number? I thought so. Does uh-uh. it? Uh-uh. Does it? No, it only has an address. They probably looked up the address and name oh, the in a phone, phone book. book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even near my We've solved so. it. Bam. Or they just knew each other. Fair, yeah. Okay. That's odd, though. Like, what did the farmer think about that? I don't know. He was just like, hey, this is weird. Let me call to return it. Maybe they lost it. So Jeff is like, oh, shit, gotta go get my wife's, you know, stuff. Like, maybe this is where she was last seen, you know. Something bad could have happened. So Jeff and his two friends, they, you know, get in their cars. They immediately head over to pick up the license. But on the way, Jeff spots something blue in the distance, like, among the snow. Because, again, it's January in Breckenridge, Colorado. So everything is snowed. On the way? Yeah, while they were driving. They're just, like, looking out, you know, like, oh, what if she's here? Okay. So Jeff and his friends pull over to investigate, and they discover that this blue something was actually Bobby's backpack that she always had with her. It was basically her purse that she always kept with her. This is not looking good. I know. (laughs) So inside was Bobby's makeup, her sunglasses, and some some of his business cards. Mm-hmm. Next to the backpack, though, was a bloody used tissue and one of Bobby Joe's cream-colored gloves covered in blood. Uh. Not good. So Jeff is obviously fearing for the worst. He calls the police, and the police, like, you know, hurry out to where they're at. They're, like, right oh. next to the ranch. Oh, yeah, really? <laughs> now they care. <laughs> that was good. That was a good effect. I like it. <laughs> so, you know, they're like right next to the ranch. So the police are like, hey, well, we're coming. You know, they had everybody. Okay, whatever. Cops come. So, unfortunately, just two hours after the backpack was discovered, Bobby Joe's body was actually found by Jeff's two friends near the top of what is known as Hoosier Pass. So, where is this in relation to the backpack and the farm and the license? I think it's all like in the same area like it's so it's mm-hmm. like hooser pass breckenridge and the farm is right up next to it so what's the pass is it a hiking trail no so it's um literally a road that takes you between the mountains <laughs> if that oh, makes sense it's literally oh. yeah a pass <laughs> so bobby joe was laying face down or i'm sorry she was laying face up on a snow embankment fully clothed and she was shot in the chest. Okay. So with either a thirty-eight or a nine yes, millimeter. Yes, exactly. A large okay. something caliber handgun. Um, interestingly, though, at the scene when the police begin to process it, they find a single pair of footprints in the area, but they do notice plastic zip ties tied around Bobby's wrist. So obviously, okay. obviously, the police are like, okay, whoever killed her was tying was trying to tie her up and she likely tried to outrun her attacker uh side note there is a way that you can undo zip ties like that with your shoelaces look it up on youtube (laughs) psa 
Uh, so how she was positioned was she, she's like up on this embankment, you know, and there's a trail of blood leading toward her body and her head was facing the highway. So she's like very clearly running for the highway running to the highway. Okay. And how her legs are positioned under her. It kind of looks like she was like trying to get grip on the ground because, you know, she's like up this embankment and then is coming down the other side. So it looks like she's like trying to get grip while she's going up. Um, as they continue searching the area, they discovered, like, up top at the pass, uh, a pair of keys were in the Hoosier parking lot. These keys had a big brass hook on them, and they discovered that Jeff had actually made this hook to protect Bobby when she was hitchhiking. So the keys are, like, very clearly hers. But then, they found something just, like, off in the woods. I, I did not get an exact distance but it's close did enough. they find an orange sock yep Ooh. close enough to where they were like this is weird obviously connected you know so they take the you know they bag everything as evidence including the orange sock and they take bobby's down or sorry oh my god they take bobby's body down from the pass and they wait for the autopsy to come back okay so, both of these girls disappeared on the same day, and they same were both day. hitchhiking. Yep. Probably hitchhiking with the same person. Yeah, smart. How far away was her body from the other girl? Um, so, I actually have a map that I'll put up, like, on the Instagram that tells you the exact distance, because I don't know all that off the top of my head. But, okay. so Bobby's body was found the next day after hitchhiking, and Annette was found six months later, unfortunately. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so their autopsy report comes back and the investigators learn that Bobby was actually shot twice at close range with one bullet entering the right side of her back and one grazing her chest. And actually, this is really sad, but neither shot was fatal and it was the cold and the blood loss that killed her. Um, Well, I mean, she probably died long before her husband even knew she was missing. Yeah, yeah. Um, additionally, it was unclear from the sources if Bobby was sexually assaulted or not, which, you know, I'll go out on a limb and say probably. Um, the medical examiner did note that both of her knees were skinned, uh, like she'd fallen in an area that was not covered in snow. So they're like, oh, she, so like up in the parking lot where her keys were found, she probably fell there and then like took off to outrun this attacker. Fair. Yeah. But police soon find out that they're not the only ones investigating Bobby's murder. Turns out her husband, Jeff, had been going around to the townspeople questioning anybody who may have known what happened to Bobby. Which I'm kind of like... Duh. Yeah, it's his wife, of course. And you guys told him to wait 24 hours, you fucking idiot. Yeah, so he's like, oh, they're inept. Let me just handle it. But apparently this made the police, like... Oh, this is a little weird. Ooh. Yeah. It's not. It's normal. But they, they like, dig around into Jeff's background, and they learn that Bobby's family actually had doubts about Jeff. And they went on the record, and all they would say is that Bobby and Jeff's marriage always felt, quote, kind of off. And that's it's all It's not your say. business, ma. And that's all they would say about it. Well, it has nothing to do with him. You can say that all you want, but you obviously don't have any proof whatsoever that anything was wrong. So it's based on your feelings. So you probably don't like the guy for some personal reason. 
And an opinion doesn't put people behind bars. So at the end of the day, the family's just well, like, this dude's weird, so. An opinion shouldn't put people behind bars, but it does. Well, not in this case, thankfully. Oh, that's good. So several months go by, and there's no arrest, and there's no breakthrough. We do know that, like, at the beginning, July 3rd, Annette's body was finally discovered missing that orange sock. So the police, Did- you know... What? Did they do, like, DNA analysis on the sock and determine that the... They collected DNA, but they can't analyze it because it's the 80s. So, you didn't know that? So, did they keep it? Yeah, they kept it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, did they find DNA that matched Annette's in the orange sock that was found at Bobby Joe's body? Okay, hold on. Let's just... Okay. <laughs> so, the police managed to put these two cases together, and they're like, hey, we know we're looking for one single killer who likely had taken two victims this night. They know these cases are connected because Annette's mother, Eileen, identified both orange socks, saying they know that they're Annette's because Eileen had given them to Annette and stitched in her initials to him as a Christmas gift. So, yes, they're Annette's. Okay, there we go. There it is. So... <laughs> Let's keep in mind, taking two girls in one night, probably at the same time. No, so they don't think it was at the same time. But it's in the same night. It is in so the same they, night, yeah. They were together at some point. Um, No, so the theory right now is that he picked up Annette in Breckenridge at about 5 o'clock, literally right as soon as she got out of the pharmacy, took her, killed her, and then came back in, and at 7.30, picked up Bobby, raped her, killed her, and dumped her. Okay. So it was like, bam, bam. That's, okay, that's still excessive. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two in a night? Mm Mm-hmm. He's probably killed more people. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. So police are like, fuck yeah, we had these two cases linked together, we got this, you know, extra evidence, we're gonna get this guy. But actually, no new evidence came to light until September of 1982, which is... Eight months after both women had died and two months after Annette had been found. Okay. So Annette's backpack was actually found. And it was located near Hoosier Pass, near where Bobby's body was discovered. Okay. And so police open it. They're like, oh, everything's normal. There's keys, change, a photo of a man who has no linkage to this case whatsoever, likely her boyfriend or something, random photo of a doom. But they find one more interesting thing. One of Jeff's business cards was in her bag. Uh, yeah. what? So, the, so wait, what does Jeff do? He owns like an appliance repair business. Okay. And Annette had his business card in her bag. So uh. they confront him. You know, he's already on their shit list. And he tells them, I never met Annette. I have no idea who she is. I don't know why she'd have my business card. So if he didn't meet her then, that means that... Well... She has met the wife. Well, hold on. So just a few days later, after this interview where the police are like, Hey, do you know her? And he's like, no. He says, hey, you know, I actually saw her photo on the news and I do know her. I gave her a ride a couple months ago when she was hitchhiking, and I gave her my, you know, business card, and then I never saw her again. Wait, how often does he give hitchhikers a ride? Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. 
So obviously the police are like, you know, what the fuck? And Jeff is named a suspect. I'm suspicious of the husband right now. <laughs> they name Jeff as a suspect, you know, but he's like vehemently denies ever being involved in either murder and is like, hey, I have an alibi. I was at home and my friend came over and my friend can confirm this. And so the friend does. He says, yep. While he was waiting for his wife to come home? Yep. And so the friend confirms it. He's like, yep, Jeff didn't so go what out. So what was the time frame for his alibi? It, all the sources just say he has an alibi. Huh. Um, he goes on to take a polygraph test, passes it, and then he allows the police to search his home and take whatever they want. And so the police come up with zero physical evidence against him. There's nothing linking him other than, you know, the business cards. And they know they don't have enough to charge him with murder, so he's let go. I'm still suspicious. <laughs> so with no evidence and no other suspects, Annette and Bobby's cases go really cold. And they stay this way for a really long time. Um, so throughout the years, though, the police did name a few other suspects. Um, particularly two... Didn't even write down their names because I don't care. They were in prison for heinous crimes, both rape and murder, um, but they couldn't be connected to the case, and both of them were ultimately ruled out. Okay. However, in 1996, law enforcement managed to gather more DNA evidence just because of the technical, like you know, technological advances at the time. And so they take Bobby's glove that was all bloody, you know, and they discover that some of the blood on this glove, while it's the same type as Bobby's, it's not Bobby's. Okay, so what was Annette's blood type? It's not Annette's, let's just say that. So um, <laughs> the blood had DNA that was obviously a male's, and oh. the police believe that this is the same male that killed both of these women. Okay, did they compare it to the husband? Yep. And it's not okay. his. And they compare okay. it to the other two suspects, and it's not theirs. Not theirs. Yep. Okay. So, okay. all of their suspects are ruled out. The police... What about Annette's boyfriend? Uh, oh, so the photo of the dude, is that what you're asking about? Yeah. They could not. Ne they never found out who that guy is, or anything. Weird. And that just has a photo of this dude in her back. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so the cops take this DNA and they turn it over to CODIS, which is like the database where you compare DNA, to see if there are any matches, but there are no matches, and once again, this case is stalled. Yep, that just means it's not in the system. Yep, and so I believe at once a week for like until 2020, the DNA is being tested and no matches come up, but then... In 2020, a beautiful new technology arrives on the scene, and it's called genetic genealogy. Okay. So forensic genealogists take this DNA, and they, mm -hmm. you know, like, Ancestry, 23andMe, and they start to compare it. And they start mm -hmm. with this massive family tree of, like, this is who it could be with over 12,000 names. Mm -hmm. And they begin to slowly dwindle each name until they come down to two. And this took all the way until January of 20, 2021 is when they're like, hey, we have two names for you. 
the, it's either this guy or this guy's DNA. We need a sample to match it. And one of those two people was named Alan Lee Phillips. So police began to investigate Alan and they learned that he'd lived in Colorado since 1970s. And at this age, or at this time, this year, he was now 70 years old. Okay. So instead of risking Alan fleeing, they put him under surveillance just to like, you know, watch. Because I mean, if some, if I was a murderer and the cops came up to me like 40 years later and said, yo, 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 let's get a DNA test. I'm fucking running, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on February 20th of 2021... Surveillance shows that Alan went to a Sonic drive-thru in Littleton, Colorado, and then he went to the Dumont post office. What did he order? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and so, video poppers. at the post office, Alan threw away a brown bag inside of the post office trash can. And the police are like, oh shit, it's our time. They run up, they take this bag, and they send it off for DNA comparisons. To the one found on Bobby's glove. Well, you shouldn't have done that. And they wait. And just three days later, the results come in. And Alan was a DNA match to the DNA found at both crime scenes. And on February 24th, 2021, after 39 years of searching... Alan Lee Phillips was arrested in Clear Creek, Colorado, and charged with the murders of Annette and Bobby. I'm telling you, there is no way those are the only two murders. Right? It's very, it's a very, no way. it's almost like a frenzy killing, right? Two women in one yeah. night? Yeah. In one night? You have to work your way up to that. Yeah. But we have one final twist to this case. Oh, shit. So, even though Alan was never a suspect in either one of these cases before, Alan had actually come into contact with police the night of the women's murder. What? <laughs> yes. So. How? Alan, you know, dumped their bodies near Hoosier Pass. And late that night, after dumping Bobby's body, most likely... His truck had gotten stuck in Hoosier Pass, and he only survived because a sheriff was flying overhead in a plane and saw Alan flashing his, like, headlights in an SOS pattern. The sheriff then was like, oh, I know what that is, called, like, um, other law enforcement officers to go and help this guy who was stuck on Hoosier Pass and was likely going to die if they didn't get up there. So the fire department goes out, they get Alan out, and when the fire chief approaches Alan, he actually asked Alan about a big bruise that he had on his face. And Alan had an excuse. He said that he had knocked his head on his truck door when getting out to go pee because he was drunk and it was whiteout conditions. And at that time, neither the sheriff or the police chief thought that this was unusual. And to this day, Alan remains in prison awaiting his trial and his arrest bring both Annette and Bobby Joe's family some sense of closure. 
So Jeff actually said in a statement that he prayed the arrest, quote, will finally, after all these decades, bring closure and peace to this hideous nightmare. Eileen Franklin, who was Annette's mother, said that she was relieved to have lived long enough to see an arrest. Quote, I just thought before I leave this earth, I would like to see some closure. It's been a rough 40 years. And that is the now solved murder cases of Bobby Joe and Annette Schnee, also known as the Rocky Mountain Murders. Isn't that wild? <laughs> Forensic genealogy is fucking amazing, dude. What is it that they say? It's the season of justice, right? So if you committed these crimes even 40 years ago, we're fucking coming for you. You can't escape it. We're gonna get ya. I want him to confess to the rest of the shit that he's done. There's no way he's only killed two. I know, and it's so weird that he wasn't in the system, you know? Yeah. So maybe that, like, maybe he killed people before, and then that night after he came, you know, this fucking close to getting caught, was like, oh, I better slow it down. But who knows? We're just waiting for him to confess. And yeah, hear his confess. side of the story. <laughs> confess to what you've done. You have nothing. Uh, you will. You're gonna die in prison, bro. So like, just confess. Well, I mean, he's seventy. Like, yeah, you're dying in prison. Who knows how long it's gonna take before he actually gets his trial? Ugh, makes me so happy that he was caught. But yeah, that's my that's... case. Oh my god! I mean, that's a, a nice ending to the hitchhikers. Yeah, coming out of the happy face killer, yeah. Yeah, this is a long series. <laughs> I did not like yeah. it. And so, no. um, I up next is our They Didn't Do It cases, correct? Yeah, we should cover that one. And these are going to be cases, stick around because they're going to be fun, but these are cases yeah. that we believe the person in prison didn't do the crime. And not just us, yes. like other people believe it too. But. They have not been exonerated. They're still technically guilty, according to the criminal justice system. But for whatever reason, we don't think, and other people don't think, that they actually did these crimes. Yeah. So, so we'll see you next it's gonna week. It's going to be a rager. Yeah, we'll see you <laughs> next week for those. And, yeah, don't forget to like and rate this podcast you can follow us on instagram which is linked in our bio of this episode along with all of our sources and we'll see you soon podcast horse yep see ya